Welcome to Paranormal Heart, a place where people can talk about their paranormal experiences. With your host, Cat Ward. Welcome, folks, to Paranormal Heart Podcast. It's your girl, Cat again. I have another great episode for you tonight. On episode 95, I'm joined by creator and founder of the indie drop-in network, Greg. Greg gives us a unique perspective of the paranormal from the view of a believer but non-experiencer. We discuss many aspects of the paranormal, Bigfoot, Dogman, UFOs and extraterrestrials, life on other planets, psychology, the multiverse, and so much more. Greg has an amazing podcast platform where listeners are exposed to indie podcasts of many genres. Horror, fantasy, science fiction, scary time, and so much more. If you're looking for a new podcast to listen to but have no idea which one, head on over to the Indie Drop-In Network. You will find so many podcasts that will keep you entertained for weeks. If you'd like to share your encounters on the show, I'd love to have you on. You can send me an audio recording of your encounter... You can write it for me to narrate, or we can record our conversation together, whatever you feel comfortable with. If you have questions, comments, or just want to say hello, drop me an email at paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you. And if you enjoy the show, please like, share, subscribe, and leave a comment. Tell your friends. Don't keep it to yourself. Tell the world about Paranormal Heart Podcast. You can tell them that new episodes are released on the second and last Sunday of each month at 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can find me on YouTube, Podbean, KPNL Digital Network on Thursday nights, and any place you find fine podcasts. Now, on with the show. Hello, Greg. Welcome to Paranormal Heart. Thanks for having me. I'm really excited about this. So am I. Uh, when I first heard you on uh, the Mallard Report with our beloved Mr. Duck, Jim Mallard, <laughs> uh, yep. and he was talking about your network and everything, I thought, wow, this sounds really interesting, and um, found out that you don't particularly have paranormal encounters yourself, but you, you have a, a fascination with it. I thought that would be a nice change for the show, because everybody that I, that I speak with on the show all have had some kind of a paranormal encounter. So I, it's very rare that I speak with someone who hasn't had them. I think you're the second person. So, yeah. So it's neat to see someone's perspectives coming, you know, from someone who actually hasn't had tons of experience. So, um, and then I thought we could talk about your network afterwards. So if you could please, please tell, start, tell, why are you fascinated by the paranormal? Well, I mean... It's hard not to be fascinated by the paranormal. I think you have to go out of your way to some things you don't want to be true. Some things are horrible, but, but other things really help you question science and, and progress and, 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 and really just kind of accepting reality and, and social norms just as they are, which I think is, is dangerous, right? Like if you're doing everything the way you've always done it, you know, what does the future look like? It's pretty boring. So um, that, that's really what fascinates me the most. I mean, whenever I see reports about, you know, UFOs or somebody, you know, I'm scrolling through TikTok and I see uh, someone capture what they believe is a ghost, right? I'm always, I, I'm always just, just enamored with, you know, what if this is true? And uh, I think if you're not, it's it's hard to be like the, like the hardcore skeptics to me are just as are just as uh, hard to understand as the hardcore believers right like they're both on each side I think you have to have a healthy dose of skepticism but be open to uh, new and paranormal things. I am I've sent this countless times I am a believer but I'm also a skeptic uh, just because it goes bump in the night doesn't necessarily mean it's paranormal and as an investigator I go looking to see what is causing the bumps 
Yeah, rule out like, the normal. Yes, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So do you know people, like anyone in your family who, who claim to have had any experiences? And you're just like, yeah, I, I haven't had those. You know, it's not really a, a super topic of conversation. And it's one of those things where, um, you know, you don't look for it unless you're look. you don't see it unless you're looking for it, right? Like, it's like when you buy a car, you say, I've never seen this kind of car on the road. Then you buy it and like everybody has that car. Yep. <laughs> so, um, I, I would say that I don't, it, it doesn't really, it's not a topic of conversation with my friends and family. I will say that we do talk frequently about things that are in the news, like paranormal things, like, like recently the UFO sightings is big, is big talk. Right. Um, so, uh, and then when project blue book came out, right, that generated a lot of conversation and, and things like that, you know, it's been out a while, but that's really the extent. I don't know. I really don't know of anything, anyone other than the people that I featured on my podcast network, who've had paranormal experiences, but I feel like just because I hear so many people talking about it all the time, I mean, one tiny part of me feels like I'm missing out, but the other part of me thinks, thank goodness, because these experiences, like, I don't, I don't want, uh, I don't want to see a shadow in my bathroom every time I walk by, like who would wish that on anyone, right? Yep. Like join the normal paranormal. You know, that's the way I say, I try to say it. Yeah. I haven't had a whole lot of, uh, experiences with the paranormal myself. Not like some friends of mine, Brian Bowden and, um, Al Santariga, they seem to have witnessed everything paranormal. And part of me, like you said, is like, I feel like I'm missing out. Why haven't I had all these experiences? Like people like these two gentlemen. Yeah. Uh, but in another way, I'm kind of like, Thank God, because they have had encounters with Dogman, um, and that's something. He's probably my favorite cryptid. Is uh, Dogman appears um, mm-hmm. also known as Lugaru um, or Rugaru in some parts of the the U.S. as well. Yep. Um, yep. They all follow in the same category. Part of me wants to see a creature like that, but part of me is like, no, thank you, God. I'm glad I haven't because some of these encounters, none of them are are friendly. Like with Bigfoot, they vary from the creatures are very gentle with individuals to outright war but with dogmen you don't have the happy in between you know from one end to the of the spectrum to the other it's just they're just nasty yeah i mean big bigfoot is a is a funny topic of conversation because i mean how many people have you heard who get rocks thrown at them from the tree line and you know get kind of scared away and you know they attribute uh, Bigfoot to that, but no one really knows. And I just think it's a a strange phenomenon anyway, that people continuously have events where they get, you know, assaulted with rocks in some sort of a tree line. You know, if that's a human, like it's a pattern. Yep. Right. So I want to very much believe in Bigfoot, but I have a problem with when people say they've left apples out and they're gone the next day, well, that just means some something ate the apples. Do you actually have 100% proof that it was Bigfoot? Do you have a camera that was displayed there? Have you physically seen them? Um, or when you do tree knocks, how do you know it's not another person someplace in the woods saying, hey, there's a Bigfoot and there's just two humans doing tree knocks thinking they're communicating with a Bigfoot? I haven't had those experiences, so for me, I have a hard time understanding that because some people say, well, if you've heard the tree knocks, then you just know. I've never experienced, mm. so I, I, and I'm trying to get these people to explain it. How do I know? How do you know? Yeah. And, and I think that part of it is a hobby and they want to, they, you know, it's something that they're into and they want to believe, right? What is that? The X-Files, like you want to believe. I can't remember who coined that phrase, yeah. but. Truth is out um, there. Or, yeah. I want to yeah, believe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. And. You know, it's like anything else that that you're passionate about. You know, you find, you know, if you're running around with a hammer, like everything looks like a nail. And I I don't want to disparage anyone's uh, uh, encounters because I certainly am not them and I certainly wasn't there. Exactly. Yeah. But um, I think that cryptids is so interesting because we continuously find new things. 
not just things that want to eat us or that, you know, haunt our dreams at night, but all sorts of new animals and new bacteria. And it is completely possible that there was something like a Bigfoot at some time or like a Yeti, like a snow monster, whatever. Like there's, there's possible, there's a possibility that these animals did exist and that they just don't anymore. Um, and we haven't found one or they're from another dimension and they use portals and, you know, yeah. <laughs> when, when, they, when you leave an apple, they somehow know and they jump out from an alternate reality and steal your apple and knock on a tree and then throw a rock at you and then go back home. I don't know. Maybe the rock is payment. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. In their reality, they're just being nice. Yeah. You see, you see an arm, just, just an arm materialized, take the apple and leave, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, to, to them, they have a perfectly... Uh, awesome relationship with humanity and you know there's no problems yeah um but that's you know the thing that fascinates me about this whole paranormal space is is that the the breadth of topics is so huge it's it's also the curse for podcasts speaking of you know podcasting because you know it's it's hard to be an expert in extraterrestrials and cryptids and ghosts and, you know, alternate realities. You know, it's really difficult to to become a, a known uh, a known person for your expertise in that in that area. Um, and, you know, the question is, is are the fans the same? Mm-hmm. Because, um, you know, I think there, you know, there's ufologists, right? And those folks typically are not cryptid experts, if that's a, if that's a term. So, um, but that's one, that's one reason I like the paranormal so much is because it just, it just encompasses a huge area of, of experiences and knowledge. And, you know, it could dip, sometimes it could dip into this, you know, the spiritual side, uh, on some, in some respects. So it's just, it's just very interesting to me. I keep wondering, like, for, I'm just going to use Bigfoot, where they, a lot of people think that it's a paranormal creature that has all these abilities. Um, It could be like us 200 years ago, where if you look at our technology now, uh, back then, they used to think it was spiritual, it was supernatural, but it's just technology. So maybe if we have 100% proof of these creatures, maybe we'll find out that these abilities are actually natural and it's not so supernatural just something that we're unable to do well that i mean there's a lot of that happening in nature anyway i think there's a lot of things that happen we don't understand we're we think we're pretty advanced but i mean i think the the, you know the the world we discover new phenomenon so frequently that it changes you know changes our just our understanding of how to apply physics i mean i don't think we've I don't think we've debunked any physics, but we, we think, oh, we can apply physics in this way. I mean, just just this year, well, I guess last year, I mean, the whole fusion thing happened where they were able to produce more energy than it took. And then, you know, chat GPT came out. I mean, it just rocked technology. There's so many things that are happening in tech that um, you just don't you just don't get exposed to it in your day-to-day life. So it's hard to know that these things can exist when you, when you see a phenomenon in the world, like ball lightning is a mm-hmm. good example of that, right? Known to physics, very rare to see when you're driving your pickup truck through a cornfield and you see ball lightning, you are definitely getting abducted by aliens. <laughs> There's just no doubt about it. But you have to think about it too. Is ball lightning a byproduct of UFOs. I mean, I think ball lightning is well understood, not by me, yeah, but it's same. well understood yeah. by scientists. So I, I don't, I don't think so, but, um, but who knows? I mean, it's like the whole crop circles thing, right? Could have been created by aliens. Yes. Are people creating them now? For sure. Right. Like we've, we've witnessed crop circle creation via satellite by humans. Mm -hmm. So, um, who knows the source? Don't know, but, um, it's just one of those things that, 
that uh, I don't think I don't think we'll ever know. So, what's your take on what is your take on the uh, on the new all the recent UFO reports? Like, what what does your gut tell you? That I don't really know. I can't. I've never really had a UFO encounter. I've seen strange lights uh, mm-hmm. twice. Uh, once was when I was a teenager, a bunch of friends and I were at, um, at the beach and we're on, just laying down on top of a picnic table, looking at the stars. And all of a sudden you saw it look like a star, but it's just moving all over the place. And at first my friends are like, oh, it must be a meter. Yeah. But meters don't go down and up and sideways. And, you know, uh, Mm -hmm. and I don't know of any aircraft that does that either, uh, at least, you know, in the eighties. Um, yeah. So I was like, okay, that has to be a UFO. Well, obviously it's unidentified. Uh, For sure. And another time I was in BC with my grandparents and this big light came out. Uh, we thought there was, there was no road. It was just a field and, and this big light came out and got bigger and bigger and then just disappeared. And my grandfather used to be an airline pilot. And um, he's he's seen some weird things in uh, during his career. Yeah. And he was convinced it was a UFO. And the next day, there was all kinds of people calling in the radio station saying that they saw the same thing. Like I said, there's no road, so there's no way that a vehicle could have gone through there. Um, I wasn't familiar with the area. My grandparents were. But I don't... So those are th- that's the extent of my UFO, uh, I say with quotation marks, uh, yeah. encounters. But I don't know if it's... If it's because with COVID, a lot more people have been home a lot more and they're looking up, they're actually making, they're paying more attention to their surroundings. So I don't know if it's actually spacecrafts um, that we just never noticed before. And now that we have, you know, we're taking time to smell the roses because of the the pandemic and everything, Mm -hmm. or if it's just people's imaginations, um, I, I, I actually have to say, I do think... They are legit UFOs. Um, yeah, yeah. I I tend to agree with you. I um, I just have this belief that, and it has to be belief because there's no scientific proof, right? So you either believe or you don't. Yeah. But um, I do believe that the the universe is teeming with life. Mm-hmm. I mean, we find life almost everywhere we look. Yep. Like on this planet for sure, but I would bet when we start really looking in our solar system, even like we believe anywhere there's water, there's life. Well, now we're finding water on Mars. We're finding, you know, we're, you know, Mm -hmm. all these things are happening and maybe it's just bacteria. We haven't found anything yet just to be clear, but that I know of, but, um, maybe, maybe it's just bacteria, but if that exists, then I think, you know, more complex organisms can exist. And if, if you think about all the planets and all, and this is a, you know, this is probably a stale argument for anybody listening to the podcast that are expert, more expert than me. But um, I think the math has to tell us that there's life out there. The math also tells us that there, it's going to be hard for us to find each other. But, um, I mean, we're building probes now, un, unmanned probes, unpeopled probes, you know, mm-hmm. and um, if we can do it. Certainly aliens can do it. Yep. And, you know, I don't know if there's aliens in these UFOs in the sky, but I don't think we're building this stuff. I really don't. I think it's, I think they're just randomly choosing a star system, popping in, sniffing around and leaving. Mm-hmm. I mean, why would they care about us? They're just taking a look. The way I look at it, and I've mentioned it on the show before, it's uh, like when we are researching animals in the wild, like say wolves, and we just monitor them from generation to generation, I firmly believe that other creatures are doing that with us and our planet. Yeah, I mean, they have to think there's no recourse for them. There's no possible way, even even if the tiger eats the camera, there's no way the tiger can find my house. Mm hmm. Right. Like, and that's, they got to feel that same way. Like if for some reason they have a mishap and the, the probe lands in Roswell, New Mexico or whatever, and, you know, and, and we dissect it, that would be for us. But for them, they're like, oh, well, I mean, it'll be tens of thousands of years before they have the technology to come ask us why we crashed on their planet. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I think all of this stuff is, is super, super interesting to me. Like I just... I could talk about it forever. 
What fascinating! I'm, I'm so excited for the the era that we're living in now because with everyone pretty much with cell phones, um, you can have news and images and videos broadcast globally in a matter of seconds. So mm-hmm. instead of months or years, um, and it's just fascinating to know that. I think that's one of the reasons why we seem to be having more um, exposure, more. Um, we're just seeing more odd things because technology allows us to share it. And then other people are like, Hey, I've, I've seen that too. Yeah. And that's a new thing. I mean, social media has been around what, 30 years, 20 years. I mean, you know, we'll call it 15 in any sort of real global capacity. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and even satellites where you can like zoom in down and see like a license plate, haven't mm-hmm. been around for more than a couple of decades. So just to, to think that we've, in this small, tiny window of a couple decades, we understand all the phenomenon that humans have been talking about for a couple thousands, you know, years, drawing on caves and, you know, things like that. Like, it, it's a lot of time for us because we only live 85 years or so, right? Mm-hmm. But, um, but in the scheme of the universe, it is no time at all. It's just a blink. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I agree with you. I think that the, the more we record nature and the universe and look at things, the more we're going to see. Yeah, because uh, people have been saying for a long time, um, we used to think the, I think it's a silverback gorilla. They didn't know mm-hmm. for sure if it existed. Now we do. You know, to, yeah. back then it was considered encrypted, if you will. But yeah, now we know it true. actually exists. Yeah. The uh, so you think you think we're going to stumble across the Loch Ness monster one day, or it's funny. I was just thinking of Nessie. <laughs> I don't know. Um, it's fascinating to me. I've been to British Columbia where my grandparents used to live, uh, mm-hmm. where the I don't know. Do you know Ogopogo? I don't. It's a Canadian uh-huh. version of Loch Ness monster in the Okanagan Valley, and I was fishing on that lake with my grandparents. And then they told me about Ogopogo and I was fascinated. They're like, we don't want to, we don't want to scare you. But back, I was like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I I kept looking any ripple. I was like looking to see, is there something coming out of the water? Is it just because the boat went by or, you know, but they Mm -hmm. said they had friends of theirs. um, He's a doctor and his wife, they claim that they had actually seen Ogopogo. So I don't know if it's, bunch of caverns under there that creatures are hiding and that's why they haven't been able to find it um i don't know i i, I want yeah. to I, I i would really like to think that they actually exist but part of me doesn't want to find them because they would probably be hunted and dissected yeah i i agree with that i mean what i think is important for me is is that it makes no difference if they exist or not. I think that I, I, the biggest part of me just wants to believe another person telling a story that they're being truthful, that I, I don't want to feel like they're purposely misleading somebody for the, for their, you know, ego or benefit or, or whatever. Right. So, you know, I think if we find some of these things, it'll just restore a tiny bit of faith in humanity that, yeah. that, that these people are, you know, really did have an encounter. And, you know, because it's, it's been a long time. <laughs> you know, we have never find, found anything. Yeah. Um, and people continue to say they've had encounters. And I, I just, uh, uh, you know, the skeptic in me just says, you know, did, these, did this really happen? Which I, you know... It, in today's world, my policy is always just to, you know, accept people's position on things, right? Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to be, I, I'm not an informed enough person to be able to debunk anybody's experiences, you know, and, you know, I'll leave that to the experts or the people who make a living doing that kind of thing. But uh, I hope the stories are right because they're great stories. Like, they are. These, these stories should, I really hope they're true. And like you mentioned earlier, we weren't there to witness what these individuals have experienced. So who are we to judge that say that you're, cre- you're crazy or no, you didn't see that. I just love hearing the stories. Yeah. The stories are great. I mean, but we, what, what, what gives me pause is there are so many, um, so much evidence about the fallacy of human memory mm-hmm. 
um, and how it can be manipulated and, and things like that. Unknowingly, there's been studies where people will remember something happening to them, but it was a story that one of that somebody told them, you know, like a, like decades ago. And after so much time, they remember it as an experience that they had. And, um, you know, those types of things, I think, I think are also very interesting and, and really, you know, you can call it paranormal because there's no real science looking at that kind of stuff. But, um, you know, I've seen computer models and I won't get into what my, what I do for a day job, but, um, there, there, there is research, um, happening right now to refine AI to be, a little more guessy is a non-technical word because how our brain works is like we remember segments of things and then, and then we dig in to remember the thing, right? Well, computers remember everything all the time and it makes them slow. So um, they're, they're looking at how do we get AI to just remember like a, a, th- a little bit of a thing and that gives them the clue to go search for the information. So I, hopefully, hopefully, um, uh, we understand the brain a little bit better to where we know if, if it's a real memory or if it's something that we've imagined or been told. I would really like to believe that a lot of people who are investigating the paranormal, um, it's not for everyone because we don't all have that intelligence, but I, I like to think that some people are also um, studying the brain to see what's the correlation in what our brain is actually recording with the experience that you just had. So like you said, sometimes we fill in the blanks and there are false memories. Yeah. But I also do think that we understand so little about the brain that this idea of people being more sensitive than other people about our environment and things that are happening in our environment is so fascinating. Maybe it's a, generations old con where people can talk to the, to, to dead people mm-hmm. or see, um, manifestations or feel ghosts, whatever the, the different things that happen. Maybe, you know, maybe we've just been conned for hundreds and years, hundreds and hundreds of years, but it's also possible that there's people that have abilities that are outside what we understand. And if that's, if that's true, what we need to do as a people is find these folks, measure their brains, understand how that works, and help, you know, facilitate them using their gifts to further our understanding of this, right? Like if you're a, just like being a musician, if you're a great musician, like society, I think should, should promote that if you can see ghosts you know like (laughs) we should find a job for you that where you can go look for ghosts years ago i was working with this guy and he was saying his um fiance at the time was studying uh, psychology and um so some people they will hear voices yeah in their heads and so that's what she was studying these these um Oh, geez, I can't think of the word that I'm looking for. But anyway. Are they schizophrenic? Yeah. Or... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I told him, I said, well, how do we know? Because then he starts explaining that uh, these schizophrenics, I can't remember, they lack a chemical or they have an extra chemical than everybody else who can't hear the voices have. And I told him, I said, well, maybe these people aren't just schizophrenic. Maybe they're not crazy. Maybe they have, maybe they really are hearing these voices coming from other humans or whatever, and they either have, maybe the rest of us have that chemical that blocks us being able to hear them. And then he starts looking at me and he's like, oh my God, this sounds crazy, but it kind of makes sense. It's like, we don't know. We Mm. don't know enough about the brain. Maybe these people are hearing the voices. Maybe they're not. And we also don't know what is the correct option, right? Like I've read articles where people postulate that autism is the next stage of the human evolution of the brain. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of in this middle point where, where, you know, it's not, um, uh, it, you know, there's, there's pieces missing on the path to, to whatever the next step is in human evolution. Mm-hmm. Who are we to say that if this chemical exists, that's not the next step, or maybe it was the previous step. Like we don't know. And, 
And that that stuff that stuff we we really need to find out. I think that the problem is is the way the world works is it's just you know there's no money in helping yeah. people hear voices. So yeah, <laughs> you know there's money in stopping them from though. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> but I I firmly believe that studying the mind uh, should go hand in hand with studying the paranormal. Yeah. Yeah. And in sci- in science fiction, I love where science fiction and and paranormal, you know, kind of feed into each other. I mean, I absolutely think that we're going to learn a lot about paranormal as we start adopting these like brain interfaces, right? As we start having devices, uh, you know, at first they'll be to help people see who can't see there'll be medical devices at first but then like everything they'll move into recreation or they'll move into augmentation and improvements and um i think once we once we get there we're going to have this perception recording so like if someone sees a ghost we're going to be able to say okay what did the brain do when you saw the ghost holy cow we did see those signals and we've recorded it on your brain you know computer and uh uh, this is okay. This legit is real. We don't know what it was you saw, but we, you know, we've proven that your brain saw something mm-hmm. and that, that, uh, that's going to be nuts. Obviously there's, you know, I don't want to go down the technology rat hole, but there's privacy <laughs> and all that other things that yeah, people yeah. listen are probably like, we don't want brain interfaces. <laughs> like that's the, <laughs> we're fighting against that. That's the, <laughs> that, yeah, I don't think. The paranormal crowd is going to be hip to brain interfaces. No, I think people uh, are are kind of um, uh, scared of um, the cyborg men and uh, the Borg, uh, you know, for those out there who are geeks like me. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Cybermen, yeah. Yeah, that's uh, a... But I do think that, you know, in, in in regards to aliens, I think that there's a there's a good chance that um, that we have, that people have had actual experiences. And I think with cryptids, I think that, I think the same thing. Now, um, I personally don't know about Bigfoot. I think that, that uh, there's probably animals out there, like I said, but um, all in all, I think if you're going to study something, Bigfoot has the, has the least payoff, right? Like, what if you'd find him? What then? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, you know, unless he's really using portals, <laughs> he, he or she or they or whatever, they're using portals, right? It, you just, okay, we found Bigfoot. Now I guess I'll dedicate my life to finding something else. Well, I don't know. If I were to find Bigfoot and I was... Uh smart enough to be a scientist or a researcher, uh, I would want to try and find everything I can about this Bigfoot and see about how to communicate. Why they're here? How long have you been here? Some people think they're just... Um, I've actually heard people think that they are us from, another, from, from the future who have time-traveled, and that's why we don't see them and they, they show up blurry. And I thought that mm-hmm. was a really interesting take on, on Bigfoot. Yeah, I, I I believe I've heard similar uh, you know ideas. I mean, who knows? Um, you know, there is some evidence that the multiverse exists. So, you know, who am I to say that Bigfoot isn't a multiversal creature? I have no idea. I mean, I I guess they don't have razors in the multiverse. I don't know. Like, <laughs> like, like, why is he so hairy? I don't get it. I've heard someone, a couple of people think that maybe the the hair is just their, they're like a suit, kind of like a space suit. It's like an environmental thing to protect them from on, on our planet. And again, I thought, okay, that's another interesting take. But why? why? Yeah, like maybe, maybe it's their attempt to blend in and they didn't oh, realize never, how far we've evolved. I never thought of that. <laughs> yeah, maybe. They're like, oh, we're just going to blend right in. They All the humans look like this. Like, this is the standard. <laughs> you know, it's like on Star Trek where they put on the period. Yeah, the, the, yeah. <laughs> put on the costumes to beam down. Nope. That's what big. That's what Bigfoot is. It's really just a, a gray alien, like <laughs> tiny little gray alien, yeah. like inside 
the suit. And he's got it wrong. <laughs> he's got it to- totally wrong. He's like, I got to throw a rock at these people and get out of here. Like, I'm <laughs> totally messed up this whole transport. Oh, that would be funny if that was true. <laughs> Someone needs to create a meme with like Bigfoot with a red Star Trek shirt on. Like, <laughs> I messed up the whole thing. It must, it, there must be somebody who's created that. We just haven't seen it yet. But yeah. <laughs> So funny. How good are you at graphics? Maybe you can do that. Oh no, don't you know, <laughs> you'd be like, that is that is uh what is that? That's Slender Man, not Bigfoot. Uh, like yeah. Stick figure. <laughs> stick figure. <laughs> uh, yeah, and to those who legit uh claim that they have had Bigfoot encounters and, and I, I don't want you to think that we're we're making fun of you or or not believing you. We're just looking at different angles of how other people can relate, how we can understand what what these encounters are. So please don't send me hate mail. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can send me hate mail if you want. It's, it's totally fine. But, um, I think it is important to understand like how these concepts interact with, you know, I, I don't know if I'm the normal, normal person because I do have a paranormal podcast, which we'll get into, but, um, you know, I, I'm certainly not, uh, dedicated. It's not my hobby. Let me say it that way. Mm-hmm. So I don't read everything. I don't read everything that exists. I don't generally talk to a bunch of people. So, um, you know, these, these concepts, which might be common in circles of, you know, cryptid circles and paranormal circles and things like that are likely things that I've never even thought of or considered. And that's why I like having a podcast, because I get to talk to people and brainstorm. I mean, some ideas may be way out there and totally crazy, but that's the purpose of having brainstorming conversations, is to try and figure out what these mysteries are. Yeah, so so have you had a favorite guest, like somebody that just totally blew your mind on a topic? And what, what was the topic? Not to put oh, you on the spot, but... yeah. I, I get people asking me that all the time, uh, what my favorite guest was, and it's really hard for me to to say because there it's like asking who's your favorite child like they're all yeah. different but I, I that's really difficult um maybe i can change gears on you I'll let you off the hook a little bit of the of the paranormal topics mm-hmm. like what topic do you find yourself most interested in like cryptids ufo's para, uh, ghosts you know things things like that i think i Actually, I think I can come up with uh, an answer to your first question. Was Dr. Uh-huh. David Perodin? I can't. Okay. It was early on. I can't remember what episode it was when he went to hand in his thesis when he went to university. Um, I can't remember where the the university is, but it's really really old in the states. He went to this building that was under construction, and he walks mm-hmm. in, and he is. Have you ever heard of Dr. David Perodin? I haven't. I haven't. But I'm going to Google him. They call him the Safety Doc. He has. He he used to have a podcast called the Safety Doc uh, Podcast. Situational awareness and, and things like that. So sure. he's always aware of his surroundings. So he walks into this building and there's construction work because they're renovating the building. Mm-hmm. But normally, nowadays, whenever uh, a building is under construction, you have the the yellow caution tape. You might have plastic over certain areas or tarps, whatever. He said, Mm -hmm. this is really weird. He could hear construction being uh, like it was going on, but there was nobody there. There's no caution tape. We feel him and I having that discussion. We feel like he might've entered a temporal. I've heard of this, like a time loop or a time time loop. This gentleman shows up. He didn't quite know where to go. Uh, David. So yeah. this gentleman shows up and he said he was dressed. I can't remember. I, I want to say it was like an old um, train conductor or something like that. But he says the way he spoke, his mannerisms were not from today. And he helped him find, long story short, he helped him find where he had to go to what floor, what, you know, what room and everything. And because he was kind of lost, he he was disoriented. Um, he normally knows exactly where he is in buildings. And then when, when he was guided to where he needed to go, the guy, I can't remember the exact words. It was something about my job here is done pretty much, whatever. So yeah. he goes into the into the um, office that he needed to go to and he wanted to turn around and say thank you very much to the gentleman. The gentleman's nowhere to be seen. And he wasn't in that building as long as, as he should have. 
he shouldn't it shouldn't have taken him that long but by the time he found his way out it was dark and i think there was a, he was his vehicle was the only one in the parking lot so wow. he lost a lot of time as well and he was just like cat i don't i don't know what happened and i'm like i think you might have got stuck into some kind of a temporal loop and this being helped guide you out because he might still be there today. To me, I think that was probably one of the most fascinating stories. Wouldn't it be amazing if that is really true? Because there's, there's, there's all sorts of stories like that where like people have missing time, but mm-hmm. it, it's it's only missing. Like they feel like they know what what they were up to, just like this example. Mm-hmm. But um, but then all of a sudden, it's nighttime, and there's also these ones where people are kind of transported to another place. After like a couple of couple of days or whatever, you know, they're walking walking along in New York City and and like they realize they're now in the woods and they go out and they're like in Ohio or something. Yeah. Um, yeah, that time travel time travel in general to me is is um, really fascinating part of 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 the paranormal, partly because we know for sure time travel forward is both possible and reproducible. Um, but we just don't know. We just don't know if anybody, we, we don't believe time travel backwards is possible. So, um, you know, it could, it could very well be that these other people were stuck in the loop <laughs> and be. they were traveling forward. I mean, yeah. it could be, it could be dimensions. I mean, there's so many, so many unknowns and uh yeah i i really i really love those stories like when i when i find those when people submit episodes about things like time loops and like lost time and interactions with different eras and things like that randomly like i i i love them like it, uh, they're great i'm going to have to re-listen to that episode because uh the description of the gentleman that helped him uh, i i i remember him describing him as kind of like an old train conductor, but it could be totally wrong because we mm-hmm. know that our memory, you know, is not always, yeah. especially mine, but, <laughs> uh, so I'm going to have to listen to that episode again, but yeah, that one really fascinates me. And he says, cat, I had a hard time finding the exit and that's not him. He knows where all the exits are. That's what he, he trains schools to make sure that people have situational awareness and because it's just natural for humans. So there was this um, theater, um, I want to say 100 years ago, where so many there was a fire and so many people perished. They went right past so many of the emergency exits, but because that's not the way they came in, you know, people automatically want to go leave the way they came in. So th- right. they probably would not have perished had they just paid attention to the, the exits that they were just running by. Uh, because they're fixated on, I need to go out the way that I came in. That's just how David thinks. He knows where the exits are. He he pays attention to things like that. So for him to say, I can't find the, the exits to leave this building um, was really intriguing. Yeah. I mean, it's hard to say, like, how can you, how can you, how can you say that that person's story is not real? You know what I mean? Like, it's really hard to swallow that pill that this professional person who has no gain for tell you know it's really the story is a detriment to his craft mm-hmm. right because he shouldn't be caught unaware so yep. to speak mm-hmm. and uh yet yet he's telling a story of where he was caught unaware and he didn't you know he um maybe he he couldn't practice his his situational awareness craft you know what does that person have to gain mm-hmm. by telling a story like that i just don't it doesn't compute uh, something that I've been trying to research for, for many years. When I was a teenager, I used to read, because I'm old, <laughs> I used to read these science magazines. So there was like Science 80, Science 81, mm-hmm. Science 82. So every year they would change the number according to the year that it came out. And sure. in the beginning of the, the magazine, there'd be like little little articles about interesting science things that they found around the world. And there was this one place in South America. It was a cave that they found. And they found two humans in the cave, and it looked like they had, been, they had been living there. But when they did the carbon dating, now we all know that carbon dating is not as accurate as as we'd like it to be, but they figure the carbon dating, humans should not have existed back then. 
Wow. And they said, we're going to be talking about this in future episodes, uh, future um, uh, magazines. And I, the magazine stopped. I don't know. I don't know what year it was, but I would get every magazine every month looking for an update and they never talked about it again. And it's been driving me crazy. I'm in my mid fifties now. And this is when, you know, I was a teenager and it's mm-hmm. been bother- I've tried to Google it, you know, and I can't find anything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, I, the way the world changes and I, I, I was secretly hoping we were going to get to this topic. Mm-hmm. The way the world changes, I don't, I can't imagine that we understand the Earth's history like we do. Oh, because, no, we don't. I mean, if you watch any of these YouTube channels where they explore abandoned buildings, sometimes they're abandoned for like 20 years and they've almost been reclaimed by the Earth. I mean, in that short amount of time. You're telling me a billion years ago? We know, I mean, what the Earth is what, 4.5 billion years old? Like, it, even a million years ago? Like, come on. They, you know, we, we can drill and we can look at, at the ice and we can test the oxygen and we can test the plants and all that kind of stuff. And we can see the stuff we can get at. But um, I just I just don't accept the fact that we know everything there is to know about dating things like sure i I get the science with carbon dating i i I get how the decay rate of of isotopes and all that i understand that like the the theory is sound right the idea of it i accept but um i just don't think that we understand things like we do i mean just like the whole just just like how light works um you know photons when you don't look when you don't observe them, they act differently than when you observe them. I mean, like, we have no idea why these things happen. Right. So, um, yeah, I, I hope, and as a society, as a, as a people, we need to spend a lot more money on science. We need to make sure that, that, uh, people are not, um, I don't know what the best word for it is, but if you want to, if you want to research pseudoscience, we should, we should, uh, fund that equally until, until you've proven it's, you know, give you ample time to prove a thesis. Mm -hmm. And, uh, uh, I think as a society, we're better, we're better off. I mean, you hear all these stories about, you know, Edison versus Tesla. It's just a well-known example about some, about, about two methodologies uh, at at war, how how many millions of times has that happened, and they've just not been famous people, yep. right? So, um, I believe it. I I think that I think we're gonna uncover caves, we're gonna dig in the ice, and we're gonna go. Oh my gosh, what is this? <laughs> well, with the with the uh, changes in um, global climate, you know. Um, the poles are melting. We're going to be unearthing so many things, I think, that we didn't even know. Like, uh, I recently read that someplace in South America, they were at, um, I think it was a big uh, tourist place, and somebody actually discovered an entire, I think it was, I don't know if it was Mayan or one of those civilization, an actual city right, like, not very far. They should have been able to see it from the the um, the tourist place that they were at, but it was so overgrown yeah. with with the with the trees and everything that nobody knew it was there. And they're just starting to discover places like this. Exactly right. Like the uh, we're, we we have satellites now that are that are starting to do better work in this regard where they're, they can do like topological scans and they can do LIDAR and all these types of things to try to, um, uh, find patterns and, and, you know, in, in places, but yeah, we don't, we don't know. I mean, I was watching something the other day where they think it was only maybe 500 years old and it had five feet of soil on it. And it was only 500 years old just because of the nature of where it was located. The topsoil just took it over and, you know, mm-hmm. about um, about a foot a year or about a, what is it, about a foot every hundred years of topsoil on this structure. 
until until it was buried. That's amazing. Yeah. You don't yeah. know what Mother Earth is hiding from us right now. Yeah, and I guess the you know should we should we should we dig? <laughs> like, or, <laughs> what are or we releasing? We, yeah, like what what uh I guess it's good to know about where we came from and and it's also important to understand how to maintain the planet and I think that we have a lot of work to do on all those fronts. I would like to see, like you mentioned, um, us having funding. I don't mean us, you and you and I, but just people in general, scientists, uh, have funding for the pseudoscience. We need to delve into that. We need to actually have funding for that to be able to figure out some of these mysteries. Yeah, we know, and we know, like the CIA has done stuff like this. Like we know, governments yep. try this type of thing, and uh, um. You know, we're starting to get some some documents, but you know, like this, what is it, the '60s and the '70s? Not that long ago, right? And 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 the government is funding things like remote viewing and you know transportation and all these other type of you know ESP and and all these kind of human human phenomenon. Uh, you know, we need to put that stuff out in the open, show results, get more money. I mean, basically how it works, right? Like, don't show results. I mean, what can I tell you? Like, I guess you didn't uh, ESP me. I don't know. Like, <laughs> we need more people <laughs> like Elon Musk to fund stuff like this. <laughs> Some, somebody yeah, with lots yeah. of money. <laughs> yeah, it would it would be nice if uh, if we could get more al- altruistic billionaires. That's for sure. Can you imagine if we got all, if all those billionaires got together, what we'd be able to accomplish and discover? Yeah, I mean, if you if you look at the money, I think you have to have the person. That's the key. Like, it's not so much the money as the person, because um, e- even if you put all the money for all the richest people together, it still is a fraction of what nations and people can accomplish. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know it's un you know unpopular opinion to talk about billionaires and things like that these days, and uh, totally get it, but. Um, you know, there's lots of people on the Forbes list and there's only a few of them are building spacecraft and brain interfaces. And, you know, there's maybe what four that are doing things to genuinely push, uh, science forward. Um, there's a lot of people donating to charities and, you know, like Bill Gates does a lot of things for food and sustainability and things like that. So, um, but you know, most of them don't. Yep. And I think it's the it's the people, right? It's the people that you have you have to have an interest in it. And it ha, you know, right now it's kind of faux pas. Like if you, if someone let, think about Bill Gates, if he came out and said, "Listen, we're going to figure out if ESP is real." <laughs> Can you imagine? I think it would be more acceptable now than maybe fifty years ago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but still, yeah, I see where but you're still, going. Yeah. Almost not acceptable at all. They'd be like, Bill, what are you smoking? <laughs> exactly. They're like, listen, man, like, uh, <laughs> people would be like, but we're global hunger. You know, like, can you imagine the tweets? Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> you know. Jeez. Well, we're towards the end already. Um, yeah. I've, we could go on and on and on. Um, but before we go, I would like, I would love for you to talk about your network. And, yeah. Because uh, I, I love that idea. Well, I appreciate it, and and thank you so much for for submitting an episode. I hope that I can find you some some like minded listeners to come hear us talk about this stuff. But uh, so my network is called Indie Drop In, and it, it's a very simple like it sound the name of it when you say it sounds weird, but what it is 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 it's a network of podcasts where the only thing that I do is I feature other independent creators. So the only original content I create is about podcasting itself, not about like very, very little kind of original content inside of, inside of my podcast. So the podcast that you're going to be on is called scary time. And it's a, it's a paranormal, scary, cryptid kind of, uh, uh, a podcast for the more, 
the more scary side of, of the paranormal, right? Like the things where, um, if you, uh, if it happened to you, the story you're going to tell is probably pretty exciting. That's the, that's the type of, of, of episodes that I really like to feature. And, you know, fortunately for paranormal, almost everything is like that. So it's really, it's really easy. Like if you've ran into Slender Man, you didn't have tea, <laughs> right? Like something, ha- something has gone down. Yeah. So I have I have six shows today. I have a true crime show, which is our biggest and most popular. It's like, uh, you know, the grocery store in my strip mall, right? It's the it's the the kind of the pillar tenant. And then scary time is the paranormal show. Comedy uh, speaks for itself as a comedy show. And then I have three new shows that um, and they're new, like only a couple months old, where they're. It's called the Fanatic series. It's horror fanatic, science fiction fanatic, and fantasy fanatic. And the idea with those is that um, I want to be able to support like the TV movie podcasters, the book podcasters, the people who talk about fandoms and things like that. So, uh, you know, like the show Supernatural. If you if a podcast out there is talking about that show, uh, mm-hmm. just to just to use a relevant example it's for that. Um, or if they talk about Buffy the Vampire Slayer or something like that, they can submit episodes for that. And the idea is is to give the listener um, a group of podcasts that I know are good, that I know are from indie shows who don't have huge budgets. They're not you're not working for iHeartRadio. You're not you're not sponsored by Wandry or Podcast One, right? Yep. You're a creator out there trying to make great content, make an impact in your niche. Those are the shows I like to feature. They're typically just um, they're typically newer shows um, or um, or shows that um, you know need a little bit of more promotion, right? That's the goal is to is to get more ears on shows that I believe deserve it. So um, what happens is the creator submits an episode, I listen to it, and I say. You know, I, I, I really listen for a couple of things. I don't content control, which I think is a is a big factor, right? I'm not I don't wanna I don't want my podcast to have any sort of agenda or any sort of like weird slant or anything like that. What I do is I check for sound quality and uh, do do you does it sound like you've done research? Like is your show structured? Have you been around for a while? Like if I recommend your show, is an, is a listener gonna be able to find it? And listen to it, mm-hmm. right? Like, so ba- basic stuff. And uh, it's been it's been pretty successful. I mean, in in um, in 2022, we did 1.5 million downloads. Wow. So, um, you know, it's that's for all six shows, but mainly the three, uh, mainly the three shows because the other two, three shows are are new. And um, I think I generally get. Uh, about a 10%, between five and 10% um, referral rate. So if a thousand people listen to an episode, typically, you know, 50 to a hundred will make their way over to the creator. And it's very, very hard to find a hundred listeners. Very hard. Like, so. Yes. (laughs) uh, If I can find 10 I think it's a huge win because it costs nothing. And uh, so that's that's really the pitch. It's a terrible pitch because the listener doesn't pay and the podcaster doesn't pay. <laughs> so it's, a, it's really a horrible business. It's the worst business you could ever imagine. <laughs> it's a labor of love. <laughs> yeah. So the, how I make money is is – is I ask the podcast to remove their ads and I put my ads in their, their ads space. And um, that way only my listeners hear my ads. Like I don't ask anyone else's listeners to, to, to hear my ads. Mm-hmm. And um, I only get paid if I do my job. So there's no getting paid before. There's no commissions. There's no nothing. So, like I have to get a listener in order to get a dollar. So yeah. Well, thank you so much for having a platform like that because somebody could go to your network and just pick a show and say, hey, I didn't know about this show, you know, and um, head on over to their platform and listen to more episodes. That that's exactly that's exactly what we do. And and and, 
you know, what I hear frequently is, is, um, Hey, you know, you have a lot of representation on your podcast. Like I hear a lot of guys, I hear a lot of women, I hear a lot of people from other countries, a lot of UK podcasts. I heard an Australian podcast, like, and I really try very, very hard to, um, find a show for every listener that listens. So it might not be the last show that I played, but if you look at the catalog, you're going to find one I think you'd like. Nice. It kind of reminds me of back in the day when I used to watch um, Much Music. I don't know if you have anything like that. In the, I think you have that in the States. Um, yeah, I think so. There used to be a thing on Sunday called Clip Trip. And what they would do is they would feature an, 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 a singer from anywhere around the world, and they would play their music video. Uh, didn't matter what language they were speaking, they would play their video. And yeah. that's pretty much when I first uh, learned about Shakira. It's because oh, wow. it's because she, she was singing in Spanish, and I thought, my yeah. God, this woman is amazing. Don't know what she's saying, but I love it. And she became, she became very well-known. But yeah. it's just how many indie um, creators, whether it's podcasting or music, get to be known this way because we don't know how much talent is out there until we have networks like yours. It's really true. And, I, and I've had a couple of shows get discovered from being featured on Indie Drop-In, um, oh, wow. have been purchased by mm -hmm. big networks or actually joined big networks or gotten funded. Um, just, just participating in the community alone leads to things like what we're doing now, right? So um, whether you're doing this for a hobby or you actually want to make it a career, um, I think we can, I think, Indie Drop-In helps both paths there. Mm -hmm. Right now it's a hobby. Do I want to make money? Obviously, yes. But if I don't, yeah. I'm okay because I'm enjoying what I'm doing. I enjoy speaking with people and, and, and listening about their stories. So um, yeah. that's, like I said, I'd like to make money, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I think it. I think it's reasonable. You know, the whole, and, and this is maybe not for the podcaster, you decide if you want to put it or not, but I think the whole um, podcasts are free thing is um, it's hard on the creators, right? And and unless a podcast succeeds, a creator is not going to do a podcast for free for decades, right? Like eventually um, we, there needs to be some remuneration of some kind, mm -hmm. right? Like yeah. it needs to be some consideration from the people listening. And uh, maybe that's a Patreon, maybe that's, um, buying a t-shirt or maybe that's just listening to an ad, but, um, I hope, I hope people listening kind of think about what, what they're getting versus what they're giving mm -hmm. and perhaps be a little more generous with podcasters because we work hard on this stuff. Yeah. There is a lot of work. Yeah. Yeah. But I enjoy it. It's super fun. I mean, yeah. neither one of us are getting paid right now nope. for this. We just <laughs> nope. did it cause we wanted to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, before we sign off, why don't you tell the listeners where they can find you? Yeah, sure. So IndieDropIn.com, all one word, uh, is, the, is the website. So if you're a listener or a creator, same website. And I'm best, uh, you can find me best on Twitter, at IndieDropIn. And if you have any questions about anything or you want any sort of referrals or Maybe you're trying to find a podcast and and you you know you you've Googled to your heart's content. You can't find anything. You just want to say, Greg, like find me a I need a I need a Bigfoot podcast. Like, can you help me out? I'll have a dozen of them for you. Nice. And as usual, the links will be added to the show notes, so it'll be easier to find you. Yeah, appreciate that. Yes. Click them. Yes. So thank you so very much for your time. I really appreciate this. No, uh, thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. It was. So take care. Bye-bye. Well, we've made it to the end of another episode. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time, take care of each other. And if you'd like to be on the show or have questions and comments, just drop me an email, paranormalheart13 at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you.
Paranormal Heart would like to extend a special thank you to PurplePlanet.com for supplying the music for the show. The views and opinions expressed on Paranormal Heart are those of the host and participants 